Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.purevoice.com forward slash ADW. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Takeda Development Center Americas, Incorporated. Welcome to this Pure Voice activity on simplifying subcutaneous immunoglobulin therapy. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor Nizar Malawi, Ms. Emily Karn, and Ms. Kara Jenkins. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello,、uh, this is、uh, Dr. Nizam Molawi. I'm a pediatrician working in、uh, Paris at the Necker University Hospital, and I'm specialized in immunology and hematology. Today, we are going to be、uh, discussing on how to simplify patient integrated care for those requiring long term immunoglobulin therapy using automated and digital technology. Joining me Uh, in this discussion is my esteemed colleague, Emily Khan, a nurse consultant from、uh, University Hospital Wales, Cardiff, Wales, United Kingdom, and Ms. Cara Jenkins, a patient advocate from、uh, the UK. Immunoglobulin、uh, preparation has been used to treat a variety of different、uh, diseases for、uh, decades. Um, they have been used to treat uh, uh, inflammatory diseases such as Kawasaki disease. Uh, inflammatory neurological、uh, diseases and also primary immunodeficiencies. Prevalence of primary immunodeficiencies is estimated to be 10 out of、uh, 100,000 inhabitants, and they are probably more frequent than what we,、uh, what we think. So,、um, what are the differences between intravenous and subq、uh, on the medical standpoint on patient preferences and maybe others、uh, issues as well so the obviously the the main difference between intravenous and subcutaneous infusion is just simply how it is administered the intravenous goes into a vein subcutaneous goes into into the subcutaneous tissue this is、um, Uh, causes differences for patients in terms of whether we have venous access,、um, how often the treatment's given,、um, the method of administration, and really comes down to a mixture of、um, clinical and medical requirements and patient preference when we're looking at treating using different methods. And the one thing that I do try and discuss with the patients is. It really doesn't matter how we put that immunoglobulin in. If you think of it as a, an allergy of car fuel, it doesn't matter if you put、um, $5 a week or $20 a month. Essentially, it's the same amount of fuel going in, but the denominations are to suit the patient and the, suit the patient's lifestyle. Thank you, Emily. Very interesting analogy. I like it very much. <laughs> Um, Cara, um,、uh, thanks for、uh, being with us today. You have a very important、um, uh, message and experience to share with us about your diagnosis and your journey so far. Yeah, so I was born with common variable immunodeficiency,、um, and which meant that I suffered with infections practically from birth,、um, all kinds of different illnesses and things. And I was diagnosed. 12 years ago now. 
um, just from a random blood test and then repeated tests after that. Um, I've been on uh, subcutaneous infusions for the 11 years of that. Um, And then facilitated, I've been on for the last four years, which has really changed how my infusions feel for me because I do infuse a large volume. It also means that I can adapt my infusions better to suit my life and and the things that I need and um, suit my lifestyle really. Cara, how did how did you feel when you were diagnosed? What what scared you most about the treatment? Um, I think for me, knowing it's going to be a lifelong treatment, um, there's no end in sight. So realizing that I have to adapt my lifestyle completely was quite daunting. Once I'd started the treatment and realized that actually. I was capable of adapting certain things, the type of treatment I received, even the medication that I was receiving could be altered to suit me better. Um, I realised I was more in control than I thought initially, which felt really important. So Cara, could you uh, let us know about the main difficulties with the setup? For me, the, the difficulties I have is having space um, and the time to kind of organize it all uh, to, I I have a a particular table and and make sure I'm comfortable because it does take quite some time to infuse. So I need to make sure that I have everything I need. Um, I have to have a spare battery and things for the pump because the pump could, the the battery could die. and, And so I have to always have, in spare parts of equipment just in case I have to have spare syringes in case anything drops on the floor storage issues I do have a a walk-in cupboard kind of filled with sharp spins syringes needles I get my deliveries every 12 weeks so there's quite a bit is delivered in one go um, which all obviously needs storage so and I do have a fridge in my living room full of all of the medication as well yeah, we have to remember this. And when I'm when I'm training patients to self-administer at home, I always like to ensure that they have enough storage and, and, and explain that it is an issue. If you're removing um, the ability to do the infusion from the hospital into the home, you also need to make sure that all of the equipment is there available at the time and the place that the patient needs it. Cara, how long does the whole administration take for you? For me, with the setting up um, and gathering all the equipment, it takes probably about 40 minutes to set up and then about two to three hours to actually infuse, depending on how much volume I'm putting in on that infusion. So it's quite a considerable amount of time. Thank you. Um, So it takes a toll on your, you know, day-to-day or week-to-week organization how you know how do you organize yourself what what about your schedule what about you know the the constraints to this so i i've organized my timetable really by scheduling and blocking out whole afternoons just for my infusion every 10 days which i'm lucky enough to be able to do um there are times when 
I kind of I need to move it a day or two either side of my usual routine and I'm absolutely able to do that because I can infuse from home so I can do it when it suits me. Many patients through, you know, IPOPD, International Patient Organization with, you know, for, for, for primary immune deficiencies, uh, have been advocating on, on, on how to improve personalized care and, and also trying to live a, a more normal life. So, and, you know, including traveling, uh, not only for a few days, but also, you know, a few weeks, if not several months. And we, we try to really uh, uh, make sure that uh, patients can, you know, can achieve that. Yeah, so I um, recently I went away for just over a week. And so I um, pre-dose with my uh, infusion. So I kind of, I move them earlier um, so that I'm still getting the same dose over that month, but I'm just doing it before I go away to make sure that I'm fully loaded so that when I get back, then I can do an infusion straight away afterwards. Um, Cara, um, what about the issues related to the infusion? You know, the, 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 you know, the pain at the infusion site, for example. So when I was infusing subcutaneously, I had um, smaller hard lumps, which were quite sore where the skin was stretched. With the facilitated, the skin doesn't stretch as much. Um, so it's less painful. The skin is is feels less sore, although it is still a little uncomfortable at night sleeping on them. Mm-hmm. Emily, um, what are the differences between patients with respect to that, you know, um, painful aspects, the different products, the rate of infusions? There's a, it's a common misconception that you, if you infuse a greater volume, there's going to be a greater tightness or a, or a greater swelling. But I think actually one of the things that I found in my experience is that uh, the use of uh, facilitated subcutaneous immunoglobulin that the, allows for an almost softer swelling. Thank you. Um, Cara, running the infusion can be a little bit uh, tricky or then can you can you let us know about your experience? Uh, yeah, th- there can be issues that kind of come up um, with uh, maybe leaking sites or um, the needle could have gone into a vein, so you need to recite. There can be issues with the pump sometimes with um, a blocked line and um, issues that kind of practical issues that need changing. Um, I think if there are ways to make the um, the infusions less complicated, that would be beneficial. Thank you, Emily. Very, very important and interesting. Cara, what, what about you know um, recording the infusion data? Uh, do you have any um, issues or difficulties? The, the main difficulty I have is remembering to hand in these logs, basically. Um, every infusion has to be recorded using the batch number um, and then that has to be handed to the, the immunology team every three months. Also, sometimes writing down the batch numbers because they're quite long and random letters and numbers, it can pose a difficulty sometimes. And yeah, sometimes it, it, it there are issues. If you spill a glass of water over your records, then you've kind of ruined it all. Running the infusion can uh, be a little bit uh, tricky sometimes. Um, can you shortly comment on your experience on running infusions? So Kari uses the, um, the 
a chrono type device which is a syringe driver and, and requires multiple changes of syringes with a large volume of a large volume of infused material however you've got um, a different option could be a peristaltic uh, pump device which would just require a, a single bottle of the infusion to to run through but both devices, you have a compromise. Yes, you might have to repeatedly change the syringe syringes on a syringe driver, but it's much more portable, takes up less space than a peristaltic pump and a drip stand setup. So each device has its own compromise at the moment. No, no one device is perfect. And, and maybe some same thing with uh, the blood tests that are required just to uh, monitor your treatment, such as the... Uh, uh, plasma IgG trough levels? Yeah, so um, the blood tests are required every three months. And when I was initially diagnosed, my levels were 3.2. Um, now they're about, they're just over 10. So I'm really doing well. But I receive a letter with my blood um, updates after every clinic appointment which is great, but then I have to keep my letters to make sure that I keep a check on my, my trough levels and so that I can keep an eye on how my treatments are going as well because having my treatments and not having as many infections is great, but it's also nice to kind of see a visual reminder of how the treatment is benefiting me as well. So, yeah, it would be nice if they were kind of automated between the team and myself as well, so. Cara, um, could you maybe conclude with your own preference? Uh, what is, you know, um, your, the reason, the most important reason to choose uh, facilitated sub-Q over other forms of uh, IG? I, th I think for me that the main benefit for choosing facilitated is that it fits into my life and it, I can manipulate my treatment to suit myself. I think the biggest issue is the analog part of infusions. If they if it could be digitalized and made easier, so there's less responsibility, then th that would be hugely beneficial. Thank you, thank you so much, Cara, for uh, you know um, sharing with us your your experience and your testimony is so important. Thank you so much, and thank you to Emily as well for your. Uh, great insight. Thank you to you all for your attention and join us for a second part to discuss how uh, we can simplify home, home administration of immunoglobulin. Hello, this is uh, Dr. Nizar Malawi. I'm a pediatrician uh, specialized in immunology and hematology at uh, Necker-Hanfant-Madan Hospital in Paris, France. Today, uh, we are going to uh, discuss um, how to simplify patient integrated care for those requiring immunoglobulin therapy using automated and digital technology. Joining me today in this discussion is my esteemed colleague, Ms. Emily Karn, a nurse consultant from University Hospital of Wales, Cardiff in Wales, United Kingdom. So, um, as a brief summary of uh, need assessment, we heard in the first uh, part that uh, there are difficulty to carry uh, equipment, uh, storage issues are important. Also, preparation is time consuming. 
when infusing locally, there are pain, um, swelling, lumps. The duration of treatment is also quite uh, long for some patients. So time-consuming tracking and sending the records is also very important. They are potential uh, for errors. Uh, and uh, we need to simplify the data tracking process about the infusion and IgG uh, blood levels, and we could um, automatize and digitalize the tracking and sending back the data to the hospital. What do you think, Emily, as a healthcare professional? I think the key absolutely is simplicity. Patients already have a burden of illness. We don't want to add a burden of treatment to that as well. Thank you very much. I love that message. And we'll go through that uh, when uh, 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 talking about the, the pumps. Um, what uh, could be the uh, peripheral syringes, uh, you know, improvements provided by this uh, new, new treatment the pre-filled syringes are an excellent choice for simplicity, which, as I mentioned before, is one of my key um, key requirements. Um, I think uh, they're a really excellent choice for small doses on regular and um, often, um, and they reduce the, the amount of equipment that's required. Um, however, you do have to understand, and patients, when I discuss the use of pre-filled syringes, they do have to understand that that does mean smaller infusions is a greater number of, number of needles. Um, and some people prefer this, some people don't. And it really comes down to patient choice. So, Emily, there are several products that are available on the market, which is also very good uh, to um, uh, improve the uh, uh, personalization of the treatment to patients. Could you uh, let us know about your experience? Yeah. Yes, I think there's, um, um, there are many different types of syringe pumps on the market, some available with, for use within hospitals only, some that can be used in the patient's home, some that are um, electronic, others that are uh, almost a clockwork-based system. And I think that they all have their pros and cons and each individual area will be used to maybe one or two particular types of syringe driver. I think most of them are larger than the portable devices, so you do have to take that into account. Some developments have uh, been uh, made in uh, mobile infusion pumps, uh, such as the SoConnect Plus, using uh, uh, a digital technology, a mobile app to help uh, uh, you know, uh, following track, keeping track of the infusion and and and, and sending to 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 the to the to the doctors. Um, um, do, do you um, do you have any uh, insight on what um, aspects could be improved with um, these kind of pumps? What's interesting to me is the combination of infusion device and record management. Because as we were speaking to Cara earlier, one of the big problems for us is actually receiving records, receiving batch numbers. You know, this is a blood product. We do want to be able to record donor to recipients. So to have that integrated system whereby you 
not only have the simplicity of a of an easy use pump but also to have the the connectivity of being able to share the infusion information i think is is a is very much an aim for me as a as a nurse looking after many patients there um are other modalities uh, in you know other diseases such as the continuous um, infusions for uh, let's say for example insulin in diabetes um, uh, and then that could be uh, an interesting option uh, for uh, patients with immune deficiency to have a, a continuous infusion but also it comes with uh, other you know issues as you mentioned Emily <laughs> um, I do have reservations about um, discussions that uh, sort of try and integrate technology from other conditions and I think that we we sometimes uh, I've heard talk of a continuous wearable device that would give immunoglobulin but I, I, I think we have to be a little bit careful not to go too far and uh, you know Managing immunoglobulin levels is not the same as managing insulin levels. And the requirement for the stability in immunoglobulin levels is is not the same as that in, in insulin. And then you have to start comparing, well, what's the impact of having a wearable device that's continuously or, you know, on for long, long periods of time? What's, what are the downsides of the quality of uh, an IPOP um, um, application and, and mobile site called IPOP for ID. Uh, just a short comment on that uh, digital uh, application and how it can help the patient in um, providing um, insight on his or her quality of life and symptoms on an everyday basis so that could generate a report to be shared with the healthcare professionals and hopefully to uh, improve the management of the patient and, and to lessen uh, the uh, burden of, uh, of disease. There are also some um, uh, mobile apps um, that uh, were developed and are available in, in, in order to, um, uh, to follow the, the, the treatment and the, the health uh, uh, status of the patient uh, and that should be done by the patient on a mobile device and then could be shared with uh, uh, healthcare professionals. So that's uh, a second one that is uh, uh, all for patients under you know, uh, globulin replacement. On um, the more like hospital level, um, how can you know technology uh, streamline the administrative and management process from a clinician uh, perspective? Um, there are um, ways that we can access information that we never used to be able to. So now we need to we need to update our practice to include all of those different possibilities to bring it together to a useful system that simplifies documentation for both the patient, that simplifies documentation and administration of treatment. We've had quite a lot of experience with different apps um, and I think there is a common problem in that the information that we wish to collect um, 
does not cover all. We have a plurality of products and the vast majority of apps are developed by pharmaceutical companies because they recognize the need for those. But there are there are issues that stand in the way of an app being um, created for all products. So we can use certain certain apps for certain products. But we what I would like to see for ease of use in my own clinical practice is a single use device for all products um, that allows us across the board to monitor batch numbers, monitor infusions, and it's on one platform, save us having to go to lots of different platforms to access that information. Thank you. Thank you very much, Emily. I totally concur. As you know, um, we're coming to an end of uh, uh, this uh, discussion as key messages. We heard from Emily uh, that uh, simplifying the process for uh, the patient and to administer and track the records, um, we uh, have already available tools, but more tools and, and more uh, uh, IT solutions uh, in particular needs to be developed in keeping uh, the in mind that we need to simplify uh, the, the, the process. Thank you very much for um, joining us. And uh, if you have any uh, questions, um, maybe you can uh, uh, write uh, to us and we'd be happy to answer them. Thank you very much. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.